and a very warm welcome to State of Play. I'm Ganesh Patil. Let's get started. In this edition, we will analyze India's stand on RCEP, that is Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership Agreement, which was signed by 15 countries without India. The External Affairs Minister S. Jay Shankar said on Monday that the impact of the past pacts has been deindustrialization and the consequences of future ones would lock India into global commitments, many of them not to India's advantage. He also said that those who argue stressing openness and efficiency do not present the full picture and that this was equally a world of non-tariff barriers of subsidized and state capitalism. 15 Asia-Pacific nations including China on Sunday signed the world's biggest trade agreement, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, SANS India, with hopes that it will help recover from the shocks of the COVID-19 pandemic. The RCEP was signed after eight years of negotiations at the conclusion of annual summit of Southeast Asian leaders and their regional partners held virtually this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. India, one of the leading consumer-driven market in the region, pulled out of the talks last year, concerned that the elimination of tariffs would open its market to a flood of imports that could harm local producers. But other nations have said in the past that the door remains open for India's participation in the RCEP, influenced by China. I would like to begin the program with first try and understand why was the bloc initially formed and what are the benefits of such trade pacts. This was in the offing for a long time now and you may recall it was the last November that India pulled out from these negotiations, these negotiations which have been going for years now. And the idea was to create one of the mega trading blocks in Asia with ASEAN at its core and all the member states that trade largely with which are large trading partners of ASEAN. And we have seen how the kind of contestation around globalization that has taken place over the last few years. This treaty, this agreement almost became one of the signposts of where perhaps regional integration might go with all the opportunities and all the challenges that it presents for countries including India. The arguments that India has made are very much in sync with the evolution in thinking not only in India about the costs and benefits of such facts vis-a-vis India but also as what is happening in the larger global economic space where a lot of the assumptions that we were brought to that we were raised which are being questioned today and on the basis of those assumptions. On the basis of these new found assumptions, we are looking at new economic realities being framed. Not only is this a question of the rise of China, but this is also a question of how do you reorient a global economic environment away from dependence on one particular country at a time when countries are looking increasingly inwards and trying to redefine their economic priorities. So when you talk of the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership Agreement, we also have to look at the interests of multivarious countries that were involved in this process. You have to look at the interests of ASEAN plus its surrounding member states are member with the partner countries that were involved in this process 
as well as India which is for a long time been contending that unless there are tangible benefits from this mega trade deal for India. It would not be possible for India to join and therefore India presented a set of demands and when those demands were not met last year in November primarily, it was Prime Minister who decided and announced that India would pull out of this agreement. Now let's also analyze and talk about why India refused to sign the RCEP deal or why did we walk out. So there were several grounds on which India was not satisfied with the final outcome and India had to be fair to India. It had been raising these issues right from the beginning but it was told that these would get sorted out before the final draft was ready. But unfortunately that didn't happen and the undue pressure was brought to bear on the Indian side at the last stage. Some of the arguments that India had raised and which were not satisfied were first that there should be a carve out of grunting most favored nation status on investment because if India were to give for instance some special preference to Kuwait or Saudi Arabia or the one of the European Union countries to invest in India and on MFN that is most favored nation basis that would get pocketed by the RCEP partners that would not be in India's interest. Second one was about the lowering of tariffs that could give rise to an import surge and if that was so then the bearing the secular increase which was to be provided if the imports went beyond that then a country should have the right to impose what they have got duty that was also not agreed upon. The third point was about the transparency obligations which countries were expected to adhere to and the main objection underlying all these was the way the Chinese specifically used subsidies and state capitalism to circumvent the provisions of an agreement and to bring in cheap goods and then destroy the industrial growth that is taking place in the country. And of a piece with this was another point about the rules of origin. Now, in the unilateral agreement of the kind of hardship, there is a provision that the country where the most value addition has taken place need not be the country of origin. It could be finished in some other country and it could be exported from there. So it would be taken as known as accumulation of valuation. Now, in this case, because the duties were going to be different for let's say the ASEAN and China or Australia and New Zealand, so if the countries were to come down much later for China could circumvent and send the goods through ASEAN into India at a much lower rate, thereby defeating the provisions of the agreement. So all these concerns which India had laid but they were not satisfied and that is why India had to ultimately very reluctantly walk out of the agreement. Now let's talk about challenges associated with blocks like RCEP. There are lots of challenges and as we talked about the centrality of ASEAN in the negotiations leading to the conclusion of RCEP and tariffs and other economic factors and all these put together means that the challenge is who is going to be central. Is ASEAN central in this? To me, it seems no. It is China that's central to it. Why? 
because first of all the united states and other major economies of the world are excluded it was supposed to be a regional partnership fair enough but the united states is a regional power so it was very expressly excluded minister s j shankar at the deccan dialogue said where he is talking about the transparency he is talking about too much of imports coming in manufacturing not being properly based in india and all kinds of things so the chinese premier called it a victory of multilateralism and free trade well i think it's a chinese led multilateralism that what he meant and free trade a free trade for china because india was not just interested in free trade in goods but also services where our strength lies so this is a big challenge and this was not taken care of so now let's see where do we go from here now that india has not signed i see a very peculiar kind of chinese i call it a mixture of seduction and coercion a chinese persuasion a chinese style it happened in the ctbt negotiations many decades ago that it can't come into force without india coming on board we are having something similar a place is being kept for india for the future and i read in the media that countries like japan spearheaded the separate ministerial statement so whereby india can become if not a member at least an observer to start with this is a kind of seduction why because the indian market is a huge market and tariffs there is no transparency on tariffs there is no transparency of on origin and value addition that is the key point and what about ftas is this the end of the world for india of course not india has ftas with many if not most of the member states of rcep already and our experience in these free trade agreements has been very mixed they have only had moderate success so far so there was a review of everything across the board the economic dimension is the most important but of course also the political dimension why because strategically if it is going to be china led and india has a political difficulty and a strategic problem with china a border issue flaring right now though we are talking about it in the midst of this it's going to be politically very difficult for india to come on board so should we focus on existing ftas rather than the rcep it is the sense that you get most of these ftas where you have huge trade deficits that india has with the countries in question i think that has been a challenge most of these ftas have not really worked in ways that perhaps when they were crafted it was envisioned and so the challenge is how do you recraft your economic strategy which needs to be more in sync with the political strategic realities of the day as along with building the domestic strength of indian economy strength of india that's a very significant challenge that india faces going forward india will have to build its own capacities at the end of the day if india is to be a global player in any real sense of the term and i think that's where the discussion is now moving to 
how do you develop those trends and india possibly could not have developed those trends by entering into this kind of an agreement so the challenge remains but also i think opportunities are there to build those kinds of capabilities which i think that indian government is talking about whether it is make in india or atmanirbhar bharat whatever you might want to call it what certainly is likely to happen is there is going to be some disappointment in countries like japan and australia which are key strategic partners of india and therefore japan was pressing for india to be there in some way shape or form as part of this deal because i think the japanese also like indians don't want china to dominate this block to dominate the region to dominate the economic landscape and i think at a time when india is already really calibrating its china policy across domains and specifically we have seen a lot of policy shifts in the economic space the rcep in its present form could not have gone forward clearly what we are looking at now is how can india merge its more open ended economic policy outreach to countries which are like minded with its strategic priorities which is to build domestic infrastructure domestic capacities and i think that the challenge is a huge one but that is a challenge that india will have to manage going forward if at all the kind of discourse that we are seeing in the region needs to be managed and needs to be protected so now let's see what are the economic implications of india opting out of the rcep the first implication and that has to be taken in the conjunction with our policy of not allowing direct investment into india under the automatic route by firms in countries which have a border with india but of course we have just read that is under review at the moment and it may be relaxed that up to 25 in non strategic sectors can be invested by firms which are in countries which have a border with india so that is something which is in the works we don't know what will be the final outcome as far as technology is concerned the chinese and i must practice my remarks by saying that india already has fts with asean with japan and with korea and japan and korea are the drivers of modern technology they are the ones who are at the cutting edge of the technology of course china is also there as far as australia is concerned not much comes out and from new zealand <laughs> nothing comes out from there by way of new technological advances so it is basically now china was it collaborating and uh, providing assistance to india to fill the technological gap and there i think it was a big negative that was not happening investments from china were coming in the tech industries and there it was basically with the motive to make profits and to of course that nobody can question but to gain strategic advantage in certain industries now that is something which of course does not go down well with our own ambitions and interest as far as technology is concerned we will have to look elsewhere we will have to develop our own technology put in more money in research and development and attract investments from countries which are more favorable and which don't have the kind of expansionist ambitions that china had 
The PLI scheme is something which took off in April this year with mobile phones and some electronic components then with API. Now we have added to that with 10 more sectors. This is in keeping with our policy of making India not only Atmanirbar but also globally competitive. That is something which is a departure from the previous editions of the import substitution policy. The present policy is not just one of import substitution, it is about becoming globally competitive and most importantly to get on board the global value chain. So it is not that we will do everything on a self-sufficiency basis and we will remain isolated. We want to become a part of the global value chain but we first want to develop the capabilities, cutting edge technology and in many of these sectors where most of the goods will be traded in the next 20 to 30 years. Let's not forget two out of the four quad members are part of the RCEP as well. So let's discuss what implications is that likely to have. It will definitely have some implications at the symbolic and psychological levels for sure because it's odd that we have talking so much about coordination within the quad and at the same time all the four countries are not able to coordinate. On the other hand, if we look at it strategically, the United States was never in it anyway. It is a crucial and a pivotal member of the quad, so that was not an option. With India, the door is still open as I mentioned earlier. They have said that India will give us a letter and will be able to join whenever India wishes. But India says its concerns have to be met or as an observer. Therefore, Japan has been very carefully trying to cajole India into joining or at least to join as an observer to start with and we can't close the doors. So don't look at it as a zero sum game. Don't look at it as a quad versus RCEP. It can be something in between. There are grey zones in between in the real world, so RCEP. If India becomes an observer and Mr. Ram Madhav, the general secretary of the BGP, in fact said that the door is still open and I'm reading between the lines. So anything is possible and in any case, looking at the direction of quad, we are not sure where it's going. Will the new American government have the same level of commitment? The squad have a continental strategy that takes care of India's vital security concerns vis-a-vis -vis China. Or are we going to have joint operations? These are huge questions. So we don't even know where quad is at and where is it going? What is going to be in the foreseeable or even the midterm future in the foreseeable? or in the middle term, we don't know. Therefore, we would not put all our bets on quad. We would not rule out engagement with RCEP. We would look at a situation somewhere in the middle and I think something is possible in the long term. If India's concerns are met, India has never said never again. So what could be the best way forward and considering what India's options will be in the near future? India is undergoing a massive shift in the way it looks at its economic strategy and the way it looks at its economic integration into the world. It's not a question that India is turning inward 
how fast it is to form up your own capacities and i think if that is a challenge then one has to look at every single of these measures very very carefully and india has done well in terms of assessing the costs and benefits of rcep and therefore coming to an informed conclusion that perhaps time not right for india to join india may face some backlash india may expect some concerns from some of its closest partners including japan and australia that perhaps india is not playing the kind of economic role that it should but that's a short term phase in the long term if india can manage its domestic political economy properly if india can manage its domestic economic restructuring properly then i think india can be a very credible member of the larger economic dynamic that is shaping the larger indo pacific as well as the larger global reality also things which needs to be pointed out is that many of the asean countries and the rcep members will have to get national ratification before they can formally join though the governments in power there have signed on the agreement according to their past commitment the second one i wanted to mention that this should not be viewed rcep in isolation because seven of the members of the rcep are also part of the cptpp which has gone ahead without the us participation after the president biden takes over he may in keeping with the commitment of the obama administration towards cptpp he may rejoin the cptpp and uh, take the initiative to guide that or lead the coalition to greater prosperity also the rcep agreement before it comes into force it will be 2 years so we have to watch how the chinese behave towards their rcep partners whether they are treated differently or the same aggression is shown towards on boundary disputes and many other areas so that is the question for consideration all we need to build our comprehensive national power shifting from a balancing to a leading role as minister sj shankar has said and he has outlined the steps to be taken brilliantly in his speech at the deccan dialogue now we don't need to be despondent we can even go it alone look at it in a perspective of the future which means that india will be according to data will be the largest economy in the world from 3.7% of the world's gdp today to 19.8% china will be 17.4 the us will be only 10% in the year 2100 we need to think not in decades but in 50 years 100 years spans and if we have to build our strength we should be optimistic that our future is quite secure we don't need to go it alone therefore we can have the partnerships that we want strengthen the supply chains that don't include chinese origin or chinese inputs so we have the indian australia japan supply chain initiative and last but not the least is never close the door on anything as a conclusion rcep is more of a china led multilateral block and the centrality is not with asean the terms don't work in our favor there is no transparency really as far as rules of origin and tariffs are concerned and it has political implications as well with everything that's going on between india and china on the border so 
India can't be seen going along with something that is so much in favor of China. We need to strengthen the existing FTAs that we already have. Yes, they have been signed many years in the past, but we need to upgrade them and ensure that they are in a breeze with the times and the door is still open for India as far as RCB is concerned. If our concerns are addressed, we could as well join the RCEP sometime in the future. With that, it's a wrap. Thanks very much for listening. We believe that you must have enjoyed this episode and will appreciate our hard work by sharing it with your friends and family.